Hey everybody, it's Chris here again. Just want to introduce you to this episode of the Beers and Miles, The Elite Files. We have Wyatt Baxter on this episode. Uh, this is part one. We're going to have a part two for you soon enough. Uh, really excited about this episode. We talk about pre-high school, high school, and uh, a little bit of college. And uh, we'll have a second episode soon enough. Um, but in the meantime, enjoy. Welcome to the Beards and Miles podcast, where we talk about beards, miles, and whatever else we can manage to jump off topic with. I'm your host, often drinking, but sometimes running too, Chris. And uh, I'm going to do it like I usually do. We're going to open up a beer to start off with. I am drinking All My Friends Are Dead, because they might as well be after running uh, 17 miles today in the rain. So uh, this is a cognac maple syrup barrel-aged double mash stout with hoop-hard coffee, hazelnut, vanilla, and milk sugar added. Somehow I've made it 30 seconds without fucking up, so I'm super happy about that. So we're going to pour this up real quick. Um, so while I'm pouring, this week we have two co-hosts. We have, first, she goes by many names. Most of them, I'm not positive what they are. Our current and, uh, oh, current. She's had this this dog. Our resident Ray owner, Nicole. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm going to start my intro by opening a beverage of my own. This is a Good and Gather Target Brands Purified Drinking Water, 16.9 fluid ounces. Stay hydrated. Can we get a vintage on that water bottle? Thank you. Uh, about a month ago. <laughs> Hopefully it's hard, hot car water because that's the best kind of water. No, it, it's a it's been in my basement so it's like cold basement water but it's the second best one you can get it from the rockies or you can get it from nicole's basement <laughs> Jeez. um next we have my old teammate a man who's received sometimes replaces the a before the e somehow we have brent i mean brent brent how you doing all right uh glad to be back um i am starting off by drinking a distilled brewery uh triple berry sour um and yeah, I don't have any cool basement waters or anything, but you know, this'll do. That'll do, pig. That'll do. As we do every week, we'd like to remind you to subscribe and share the podcast. Uh, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, and other places I'm pretty sure we're on. I'm not really sure. I don't keep track of this shit. If you would like the podcast, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, share the word. Uh, if you have Instagram, share it on your story. If you have Spotify. If you have Snapchat, share and sorry. I don't really go on Snapchat anymore, but yeah, do that. Tag us too. Like if you're sharing it, cool. But like I don't know until you tag us. Uh, tag us in your Instagram stories. Tell your parents. Well, maybe not that. Um, I kind of curse a little too much. Uh, probably not a mom and dad friendly podcast. Um, anyways, let's get on with it. We welcome you back to another installment of the Elite Files. This week we are welcoming Chico State's own Wyatt Baxter. Wyatt went to high school at Simi Valley High School in Southern California, where he was all state in cross country and finished with a PR with a PR of 15.10 at the legendary Mount Sag cross country course and a 9.16.32.200. At Chico State, he's made quite a name for himself already. He's already a two-time All-American in cross country and the 2018 CCAA conference champion. He currently holds PRs of 14.33 in the 5K and 30.08 in the 10K. Wyatt, welcome to the podcast. Uh, hi. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Um, I'm Wyatt. I'm all of the above that Chris just said. Um, 
I recently just had um, oral surgery done, so I can't have beer. I still got stitches in my mouth, and they said no carbonation. Um, but so I went with liquor. I'm just drinking whiskey and a side of sweet tea. <laughs> that changed. That was a very different. That went a very different way than I expected it to go. <laughs> I didn't want to be. I didn't want to be left out. <laughs> But you could have some really nice vintage water, you know? Yeah. That too. I was going to say oral surgery is a really weird name for a beard, though. Craft uh, beer is a little <laughs> weird anyways. I, I'm uh, guessing that your beer's name is off of the little Uzi Vert song, or so I hope. <laughs> uh, with Who Farted, I really don't think so. They're very much like a hair metal band, so... Um, yeah, I don't really know. It's... Uh, should, see the beer, it's like unicorns and shit, so... Um, yeah. I just think it's really important that you plug Little Uzi Vert to them, and they should create a beer called Little Boozy Vert. And you should plug him as the great American poet, Little Boozy But if you say Little Boozy Vert, like, it's like, it's like Little Boozy, like the actual rapper Little Boozy, and Little Uzi Vert actually collabing on it. Back when I was in a, in college, I went down to LSU, and my buddy showed me a Little Boozy, I think it was Little Boozy. And it was him, like, it's called Flossing in the Hood. It's this video of him, like, having, like, he has, like, a stack of $100 bills, and he's, like, throwing it on the ground outside of, like, like outside of, like, this stacked-up car. And he's, like, if you see a 20 in here, you can call me a bitch. Like, it's, and then quickly uh, quickly after that, I think he went to jail. And it's, like, hashtag free, little, free, free boozy. But uh, I think he's, he's just, out. like, doing this on the street? Yeah, just yeah, like yeah. He's just stacking. He's, like, if you see a 20 in here, you can call me a See a fifty in here, you can call me. Yeah. Between that and like you know, like Drake is probably a lot softer a rapper, but like he did that video for God's Plan, and he just did a bunch of like random deeds. Like, why doesn't any of this happen around me? Like, I could use. I mean, I would gladly call someone a bitch for a twenty dollar bill right now. Like. Yeah, me, me too. I, I, I mean, I'll take, I'll, yeah. I'll take anything. I'll, I'll take some ground hundreds. That's yeah. fine. I'll, I'll take, I'll take Susie and B. Anthony coins. I'll take even that. The Sacagawea golden dollar. I have something like on the floor of my car because somehow I got changed for that. So uh, I don't know when I'm going to use it. Uh, maybe someday. But anyways, we got off topic because we always get off topic. Uh, <clears throat> I've known Wyatt for, is it eight years? Was it my, when did you graduate high school? Uh, 2016. Okay, so I've known you for eight years. So I've known Wyatt since... Since he was about the same, yeah, about the same so, size that I was in high school. You were about four foot ten, at the very yeah, most, as a high yeah, school freshman. At most, probably freshman year. Yeah. So I met Wyatt when I they finally, uh, for some reason, the camp actually let me have kids. Uh, they let me have uh, like let me counsel kids. Um, they they said I could come back for a year. Um, as like after a counselor in training, they're like, yeah, he can trust kids. So uh, they gave me, they gave me Simi Valley and uh, oh boy. Wait, what was Changed it? your life forever. <laughs> Changed it for the better. I didn't, I didn't go uh, after your class. I think, uh, I think it might've been after your class. I didn't end up being a counselor anymore. So I mean, was it really worth it after that? <laughs> uh, 
Uh, absolutely not. We were the best class there. I mean, everybody loved us. We never had any problems whatsoever. No problems. You know, notoriously on our best behavior. Yeah, no behavior problems at all. No rules made at camp competitions because of you guys. Nothing at all. Nothing at all happened. Uh, nobody was really against Simi Valley at all. Um, but we did win camp comps one year. So that's a, that's a thing. We won camp comps for one year. Um, anyways, let's get let's get back in this, uh, on topic. We Wyatt has an awesome story that we want to talk about. Um, I've known Wyatt since uh, since he was a freshman in high school, and uh, really, I think just knowing you through the years and following your running, um, both in high school and now as you as you if you come into your own now, um, I think you have a fantastic story, and I'd love to listeners to hear. So. I really want to start talking about it first as um, like we do with all the, the elite files podcast series is how did you get into running? How did running begin for you? Um, I was actually thinking about this before, you know, meeting with y'all today. Um, I honestly can't quite remember when I started running. I think my earliest memory is telling my second grade teacher about a race that I had. So I usually go with second grade as a general rule of thumb as that's probably when I started. Um, because I did like all the normal little kid stuff before that, like soccer and baseball and flag football and things like that. Um, and then would only run cross country um because my sister got into it so we ran for a youth club called the simi valley running rebels and um i guess i suppose that's kind of where i got my start and just did cross for you know probably second through second and third grade until uh deciding to go all in with track as well you know i'm pretty uh pretty blind so baseball wasn't working out gotta gotta see a ball to be able to do that um so from then on, I just decided coordination wasn't my deal and using my feet was the way to go. So we we did talk about to somebody before this that had a, I, I guess, the youth running experience. How was that for you? I mean, it's very different than a lot of people that just started in high school, um, youth running, and especially in Southern California. Like it, we have a pretty pretty big scene when it comes. I mean, I was a road runner when I was like in high school, but even seeing some of the younger kids and like seeing how competitive it was, like a lot of kids running these youth programs and they get pretty, I mean, going to like nationals and things like that, like it ends up being a whole like thing altogether. Like, how was that for you? Um, I have a pretty awful memory, but if I wanted to kind of like try to put into words, the experience of youth and club running was, um, I think important, not necessarily in the overall scheme of like my athletic development per se. Um, because obviously as humans, we grow a lot in like our high school college years and stuff. And development is very different compared to when you're, younger but I think in terms of kind of finding my footing and love for the sport and um nurturing my competitiveness and um you know I, I, as I'm sure it benefited me at some point uh Southern California in general especially in running just tends to be a very competitive place so I think going into high school and stuff and being able to go to big like because for youth track and cross and stuff they would still have like national meets like when I was in youth, we traveled to um, 
we would travel as a club to Alabama. I went to um, Reno when I was there. Yeah, so there was a, the USATF would do youth nationals and the AAU would do youth nationals. I did one USATF in Reno. Oh, we were the same one then. Yeah, when it was like blizzarding, it was awful. Yep. Um, and then I did one in Alabama. I did a couple in Florida. Um, I, I, I want to say I did the one in Virginia. I know my sister did one in South Carolina. So like they, it was a pretty big deal for, you know, little kids to be able to travel across the country and just getting an idea of like what large stage competition is like, um, I think definitely benefited me going into like high school and college or maybe not so much college, but, um, high school is like, okay, I've been to big invitationals before I've been online with a lot of people before, especially as I got into like seventh, eighth grade when I was a little older and you appreciate that stuff more. Um, you know, I'm, I'm willing to bet it did, you know, way more harm than, or way more good than any harm. <laughs> what do you say that it was, I mean, just from, I think more so your, your, your team, uh, getting to know some of the guys that were very involved with it. Um, a lot of them, like, kind of freaked out early on as a freshman in high school, like, because, like, they were very good at, like, at their age group. Uh for you, for your experience, like how, like how was it? Was it very much like, hey, you'll have fun with it. We want you to have fun with the sport, or like as you got older, cutting into the middle school ages, was it as competitive? How did you feel in that way? Um, growing up in the household I grew up in, and you know, I'm, this isn't a negative at all. Um, we were driven to be competitive and be the best that you know we could be. Um, you know, cause it, it, the way I think my parents or especially my dad saw it was if we're, it's going to be worth putting our time into and going to all these practices and being with all these people and racing and stuff like you want to give it an honest effort. Um, so it was for sure a lot of fun. Um, definitely as I got older, the competition side of it mattered more, um, like, in track at least I wanted to run faster times and I had goals for you know this that or the other um but it wasn't necessarily like super serious at all the at the end of the day it was to have a good time and um you know just be with my friends and do what I loved to do which was you know very early on run and um and in many ways I think I'm lucky for that uh because a lot of my teammates now and stuff who are very very good uh, you know, didn't get into running until sophomore year of high school, stuff like that, you know. Um, so I think just having an idea and still doing that, um, it was obviously important for me to do it in youth, uh, but I don't think I'd be doing it still if I didn't have a or if I was doing it for purely competitive reasons. Yeah, I mean, even when we went into, like, I remember meeting you your freshman year, and I mean, you were like a better term. You were tiny. <laughs> like you remind me a lot of my like how I was when I was a freshman. Like, and I I, I still remember the the uh, I I sent it to you. I I sent around the same message to you and Zach. And funny enough, both of you guys like, but by, by far both of you guys were like my favorite campers that I ever had. And uh, you guys were on the small side. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, you guys are going to grow. 
you guys are, uh, and I think I, I, I made it a point to have a talk with you guys, like at least, in, like, I always said it was like 15 minutes, but it always ended up being like an hour, sometimes hour and a half. Um, but like, it was like, yeah, it's, it's all like, cause a lot of these and learning it from it, like when I was, when I was doing my own thing, at, like in club, uh, at late in high school and realizing like some of these eighth graders look like they were bigger than me. <laughs> right. And I was um, like, no, that was always something you kind of push on uh, me, especially, you know, I can't really say for, uh, Zach or anybody, but was that, uh, and what something I had to learn pretty early on into high school, um, just from coaches and from you was, you know, to be patient and let my body do what it was supposed to do. And obviously I struggled early in high school due to like developmental and growing issues and things like that. Um, but yeah, uh, was, was very small. I think coming into high school, coming off of that youth background, um, I was an idiot. Like if, if I could go back and talk to 12 year old Wyatt, cause I, yeah, I don't think I was even, I was maybe 13 going into high school. Is that like, still your, by the way, is that still your, uh, is that, is that your, uh, your phone, um, voicemail message? Is that from 12 year old Wyatt? <laughs> yeah, it's still, it's still from, um, yeah, that had to be like eighth grade. And so I always forget to change it. So when I get calls from people I'm doing work for or like appointments and stuff, it usually starts with, I don't know if this is who I'm supposed to be talking to, but <laughs> I got to I gotta change that at some point. Because it sounds like, like a... you play it for us at some point? I think that should be our new intro. <laughs> Absolutely not. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, if you want to lose viewers, then by far go ahead. Um... But what do you tell? Okay, so go go back to topic because like we always jump off. Oh, uh, I was just saying. So like, what do you what do you tell your twelve year old self? Uh, to shut up and you know buckle up because even now I still have a lot to learn about the sport and um, you know at the end of the day you really want to have a good time with it and which I did by far in high school. Um, but I also think that coming off that youth background, and you can still see it now um, with the younger kids in high school, you kind of have an idea of the sport, you know, how, how your body works, what training you want to do. So I went into high school, I think, wanting to bite off a little more than I could chew because I was like, oh, I've been doing this for six, seven years now. Like, I'm not even going to be here that long. You know, I can be you know, top dog here right away, um, which is not the mentality I carried past probably that summer, um, let alone today. Because yeah. uh, even that, that first year, you had some pretty good guys. Like Garrett was very good that first oh, year. Yeah, yeah. We had, um, you know, we had we had Garrett, we had Johnny. Um, you know, we had several, we had Kyle Miller, who were yeah. all phenomenal runners. Kyle also was a, um, was part of the Rebels group as well. Um, you know, who, who all came from like that youth background. So seeing that as well, like the older guys, I was excited to kind of be with like those people I hadn't seen in a couple of years. Like, oh, like equal playing field. Like we're all in high school and running on the same team and stuff now. And like now it matters. Um, so I think kind of developing that idea of um 
you know, you know, being confident in myself uh, and wanting to compete was important. But at the same time, I definitely grew like, you know, obviously physically, but mentally into the competitor I wanted to be like latter years of high school and through college. So there's there's two things there's two things on there that I wanted to bring up and I figured you would probably know that I was going to bring up one of them. <laughs> uh, because apparently like it's and I and I sent this over to to both Nicole and Brent ahead of time. I I found some articles on you cuz we do our research here. Um <laughs> Two things. So I'll ask the first thing here because like even before she came to be what she was when I was in high school, like 2006, 2010, Simi Valley was a very, very great team on the women's side. People knew like they were very, very good. Um, I mean, you had Libby and Asperi before that. And like, I, very, very great team. Like, Mount Sac Invite, you knew you could, like, they were always on top top. And then, of course, you have your sister, who ended up becoming one of the greatest high school runners in California history, of course. Um, so, two pro- two questions here. So, you coming in, because you're, you, knowing you now, and even, like, knowing you then, and even, reading about what you're saying, even at Chico, you haven't changed much as far as like, you've always been a team player. So that's why I'm asking these two questions here. How was it coming into as your own runner, like being on a guy's side, because Steamy Valley, the first time that I met you guys that first year, you guys wanted to make a name for yourselves at the guy's side. And then also you making a name for yourself as an individual. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about how you made a name for yourself as an individual over your high school career, as well as you guys as a team making yourselves as, hey, Simi Valley is also a guys team that's very, very good. and something to watch out for. Um, no, that was definitely important. Um, more so in my earlier years of high school were we kind of overshadowed by that titan of a women's team. Um, you know, the talent that ran through Simi Valley was phenomenal, you know. Um, and you see it all over the place, you know, Arcadia, Oak Park, all these big names of Southern Section, right? Uh, they, they just these, these titans of teams that have dynasties, right? Um, but that was, that was a big thing. Uh, I think for especially the older guys on the team as we came in to like meet you and that they try to solidify in the younger guys heads like me was, Hey, uh, when we go to these meets, everyone's going to know the women's team, nobody expects the men's team to do anything, let alone think that we have a men's team. Right. Um, so I, I always had the, the goals that I had individually. I, I thought that bettering myself and reaching the goals that I wanted to was the best way to impact the team. Um, you know, cause I wanted to be a scoring runner or part of a winning team and stuff like that. So I always went in with the mentality of if I can make myself the best I can be, that's only going to benefit the squad as a whole. Um, so I think I, 
was very lucky to kind of develop that mentality early on where many kids who, uh, you know, come in and have, you know, a lot of talent and stuff don't necessarily feel that maybe they need to work as hard or often they don't have a team surrounding them. Uh, that luckily wasn't my predicament at all. We had, you know, not to say that we didn't have talent on our squad, but we had a lot of guys who wanted to do well and wanted to be able to compete. Um, so making Senior Valley boys on the map was a big deal uh, because obviously we had a girls team going to nationals and several state appearances. And like you mentioned, those big names who were always individual and had that Senior Valley yeah. tied to their I mean, for those that, that don't know, I, I believe the women's team won a state championship. And they went they, to... They won my freshman year? 2013? They won either my freshman or my sophomore. So they won a state championship in California. D2 state championship. Yes. They went to NXN twice. So Southern California is one of the strongest sections in the entire country. Um, and to go to an extent from California is not like any other place. Like you qualify from the state. Meet. They compile all the teams together in the top two teams go in and you have to at largest. So to make it like that is to say that you are one of the top teams in the entire country. I think they got top 10 in NXN. So it's a, it's a team that was very, very good. Um, and so that's just kind of some background for the listeners here that they are typically in Ohio. So like that's kind of some background there, but there also was a term that you mentioned in that article and that, I mean, that's to be honest here. It, it was used a lot. The term is Sarah Baxter's little brother. Yeah. That was a lot. And, and also as somebody, I mean, I, I knew it from when I saw you as a freshman, I was like, I already knew you had the fire in you, but also like it was going to take some time for you to develop into your adult body. <laughs> so like, right. how was Can it? I just Go ahead. Jump in real quick because I think one of the things that you said about trying to develop yourself and trying to develop the team together is one of the things that is really undervalued in, especially cross country, uh, because there's such a um, like individual aspect to the sport of cross country. But at the same time, at the end of the day, it is still a team sport. So I think that's always been something that was difficult for me through high school and sometimes even into college. And a lot of people that I ran with to be able to like differentiate when it's time to be individual versus when it's time to be team. And I think the, the perspective that you, you gave out that, yeah, you were trying to develop yourself, but in, in the end, like you were doing it, you know, to try to push the team forward. I, I find that fantastic because I don't think a lot of people, especially younger runners, will necessarily understand that early on in their running careers. And it took me, I mean, it took me into college to figure that out. And I had been running eight years prior to that. So um, I think that was pretty cool. It was pretty refreshing to hear that, you know, there's people out there that, like, like I said, at the young age, you, you understood, you know, where to go as far as team versus individual or how the individual could really help the team if they're if they're working towards the right goal. Well, I, I appreciate it. And, um, you know, it's funny, even then, and especially now, both my coaches, you know, would have this saying that, you know, the team or the squad is only as strong as its weakest link. Um, you know, you need everybody 
to show up when it matters. Um, you know, you can be the best team in the nation and coast through league and stuff like that. But if a couple people have an off day, it can be, especially in cross country where it is very much a team sport, it can be detrimental. Um, so the mentality I always had like racing and stuff and my dad helped kind of put into my head is I started to become more competitive on a larger scale, like not individually necessarily, but, uh, or intrinsically, but more like at meets and stuff when I was like, okay, my times are dropping and I'm starting to nudge my way onto like this varsity team or whatever it was. Um, you know, every point counts. Every person you pass is one less point for your team. Um, and so that was a big motivating factor and things I always tell people is like, no matter where you think you are, if you can catch one more guy, you're not just benefiting yourself. Um, which is, I think, I, I don't think it's necessarily undervalued, but when you think of running, you definitely don't think of like teamwork, you know, you don't have a quarterback or, you know, necessarily like one team captain calling the shots for a whole race. Right. And I think with running too, it's so easy to get caught up in like, you want to be the next, you know, the next spot up on your team, whether it's the fifth guy, the fourth, third, second, first. I, I think a lot of runners get too caught up in like trying to beat their teammates instead of, you know, trying to run with their teammates to make the team better as a whole versus like, I'm just kind of looking out for me. And if the team comes along with me, that's great. But so. Well, I don't want to make it sound like I'm necessarily like, no, where I don't have, you know, I'm not like, there's got to be some competition within the team. If, if every guy there doesn't want to be on that traveling roster, you're not going to have a good squad. (laughs) Yeah, but it's also, I didn't want to be on the varsity team or a score would be blasphemy. Yeah. And you do that by individually bettering yourself. No, I, I definitely get what you're talking about there. Um, that was one thing that I always said when I was when I was in college was like, when you're fighting for spots, the whole thing is like, I'm going to go 100%. And I'm going to beat the fuck out of my anybody who's on the line against me, even if it's my teammate. But if my teammate beats me and, I was, and he was going 100%, I was going 100%, he took the spot over me, I can't be mad about it. There's no way I can be mad about that because it made the team better. If I lose out on that spot, I lose out on that all-region medal. I lose out on that potential for like a national spot. I can't be mad about it. Like it made the team better. And I'm, that's really what the mentality was for me. I'm not sure if it was the same way for you guys, but. I, I like to think of it as like, obviously there's a difference between competing to be on the team and competing against your teammates, I guess, for lack of a better term. If you're going into it, like I'll go into it. If there's someone on the team that I know is better than me, you know, like when I joined the travel squad, uh, the, my first conference top 10, and I wanted to try to make a national team my first year in Jersey, like Kyle Medina is better than me. Right. You know, Connor Fisher, Jack Johnson, all those guys are better than me. But I want a spot on the team. I'm not looking at like, okay, this guy's number one, this guy's number two. I need to beat this guy number two. I'm thinking I want to be the best I can be. And if I get a spot, perfect. Um, You know, I want to be top 10 on the squad. It doesn't really matter who the other nine are. 
like because um, they'll earn it just as I did. And so kind of like with high school and stuff, you know, it was a very similar idea, a little different, um, you know, because maturity wise and everything, people are different. And I think it took me a lot longer, obviously, in high school to kind of get that fire going um, to be like what it really meant to go to like big meets and be part of that varsity squad and stuff. So as your own individual athlete, did, it, did you have, were you discouraged? at all by being, by having that tagline for you in, in high school? Um, you know, if I'm going to be completely honest with y'all and myself, uh, I don't, I don't think it really bugged me at first. I think, um, you know, I was still small and new, fairly new to, um, you know, the competition of high school and stuff. And, being on trying to make a varsity squad kind of like in college right you show up as a freshman you're towing the line as an 18 year old next to dudes who are could be 23 <laughs> four foot ten kid to be towing the line with dudes who are you know 18 or 19 like um you have a lot of learning to do and a lot of uh a lot of other things going on in your head i don't think it was until i was because because my freshman year i'm fully willing to admit i i will never take it away from sarah she is easily it's like the the if you want to call it you know the mj lebron discussion like i would pick her number one two greatest of all time um you know t- 10 i think state titles two national titles undefeated her entire high school career until I think like her last race. The only two people that ever beat her was Elise Cranny and Alexa Ferguson. Was it like, yeah, exactly. she's no, uh, um, Mary Kane. It was it Mary Kane and Alexa Ferguson. Uh, yeah, it was Mary Kane. I think who beat her or almost beat her. I think, I don't think Mary nabbed her quite. I know she took third at Enix at her last year. Yeah. Uh, but regardless, you know, she to live from freshman to senior year with that target on your back is, you know, a pressure on its own. I don't think it was until I started to finally like freshman year match her times where it's like, okay, like she's a badass. She's beating dudes in high school, right? Um Yeah, fuck you, right? She she has a better high she has a better mountain sack time than I do. <laughs> she runs 60 flat i read 60 to 3 and i'm like oh my god this girl's run faster than i did in high school a, a new call of duty was coming out and i can't remember if it was freshman or sophomore year um but but my dad said if i beat my sister's time he'd get that new call of duty for me and i think i nabbed it by like 15 <laughs> seconds and and that's kind of like the defining point where i was like okay like i can make something out of this i guess so it wasn't really until like being completely honest i didn't break out or anything like i'm not going to necessarily sell myself short like i made a state team my sophomore year of high school um uh you know fighting injury and this and that and what the other thing right um I don't think it was really until like junior senior year when I started to break out a bit and kind of gaining like 
a little bit of notoriety I was myself, you know, especially in cross country. Like you start winning races like fastback shootout and um, placing at places like Woodbridge. And I won my Mount Sac race. Like you, you, people start to take notice a little bit. And so that was always the question was, it, you know, like I'm not going to say that it never came up or that I completely ignored it, right? It was always the question like, oh, how has Sarah helped develop you? or like helped motivate you or something. And I would always tell them like, I'm not gonna say like, I just brush it off or whatever. Like it pissed me off. It's like, they're pulling me off the line. I just had the race of a lifetime and they're asking me about someone else. You know, regardless <laughs> of who it is. It's like, okay, this is, tell us about Sarah. I'm like, if you wanna talk about Sarah, talk to Sarah. And so that was my thing was like, she's Sarah Baxter. I'm Wyatt Baxter. That was always my thing was trying to make a name for myself. And I think what really helped me mature and kind of push me to that next level was just stuff like that. I would just use as fuel was I don't want to be known as Sarah Baxter's little brother. Um, you know, and I don't, I don't resent or hold Sarah accountable for that or anything. You know, people always think like, Oh, you must like hate your sister. Like, no, you know, she was phenomenal and it's just natural for people to ask about it. You know, um, I just personally thought it was a waste of time to compare me to my sister <laughs> um, because I was doing my own things and wanted to be talked to for my own goals and accomplishments. Yeah, and as runners and as human beings, we all develop very differently. So, like, it's – I mean, the entire time that I knew you was very much like – I knew that tagline was there. I always knew that tagline was there. I think everybody knew that tagline was there, but like, it's 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 awful that you got because I I saw that fire even from you from your freshman year, and I was like, there's gonna be something here. It's not gonna. I don't think your your potential is gonna peak in high school like a lot of people do. And thankfully enough, like from knowing your program, it wasn't because a lot of Southern California programs kind of have the. I think for most coaches in college, you probably don't ever want to recruit a kid from Southern California because uh, most kids from like top Southern California schools burn out by the time they get out of high school because it's such an awful, awful system to get to state. Like you have to go through a lot to get to state and you have to be at your peak so often. Thankfully, with, with the Simi Valley team, it was always like they were very, very cautious with you guys. And you're also a big fighter. So it was like, you'll get there. And so. Well, I think like early on and Chris, obviously, you know about it and I don't need to get into the whole thing and everything. Like I was faced with a slew of injuries. Um, there is a lot of seasons in high school. I didn't run, you know, whether you want to call it. I don't think I necessarily ever overtrained. I think it was just wrong place, wrong time. My body was growing and I was trying to run at a certain level and at that age and the height and how I grew, I think helped kind of that deterioration process. So I was susceptible to stress fractures and knee issues and stuff like that, <laughs> and planner issues. Um, and so I always came into every season I could with, you know, some sort of fires like, okay, I can finally race again. Like, here's my chance. You know, because I'm sick of running grass loops at the back of the high school. Like, I want to go run Mount Sac, and I'm not going to waste the opportunity. And so, you know, when when you do well and you're stoked and then 
you know, you're compared to somebody else, I always felt like it kind of diminished my achievements a little bit. Yeah. And, and I would, you know, turn and just put that into the furnace, right? It's like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to push myself and do what I can until they ask about me. Yeah. I mean, you were a baby giraffe learning how to fucking walk. <laughs> uh, but with that being said, uh, we'll tap in real quick. And uh, and so it's going to be a couple questions, quick questions here, quick answers. And then we're going to transition over to the things that are most important. Uh, because, I mean, of, of course, we have to ask about that. We have to ask about that part of your life. No, no, but we no, also, but we also, I want to talk about you developing yourself into a runner. So, a couple quick questions. Your final track season, you were in 916, you choosing a college, and then finally, your most memorable Simi Valley experience. Um, one at a time. Yeah. I have an awful memory, and I can't keep up. <laughs> so, your final track season going into running nine sixteen for the thirty two hundred, right? Um, so I think also I was sure. was Chico on the radar before track senior year? Yeah. Yeah, Chico was on the radar. So college apps had to be in in by the end of the year, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, Chico was on the radar state my cross country state my second year. So November twenty seventh, a month before I needed to finish my <laughs> applications. I think <laughs> no, actually applications were due by the end of November. I had a late application. I owe Gary Town my life. He got my app in. He was able to get me a code to be able to apply for Chico. Who? Um, so that's a whole thing. Um, was there any other school? Was there any? I think I had applied or I meant to put it on my list. And so when I did send it in, something got funky. I don't remember the entire story. Like I said, my memory is jangled and I ended up getting here. So I didn't think anything of it. Yeah. So you're a 1510 um, guy at that point. So, like, I, at this point, you have. I mean, that's D1 caliber, like. So uh, I guess when I started to kind of notice my breakout, I would say like the county meet junior year, like the end of junior track. Uh, I went from, I, I was just coming off of an injury into track season. I didn't race junior year cross country until I want to say league finals. I think I raced league finals and prelims and did pretty horrible. Uh, so I was super hyped for track, um, which is unlike me because I'm quite a cross country head. But I remember just wanting to start the season going sub 10 and sub five in the mile. And I ended up running 936. Or no, I ended up county dropping my PR from like 10, 954 to like 936. And then two weeks later to nine. Eight, like 922. <laughs> um, so when senior year came around, I'll say it, you know, to anybody I talk to, sub 930, every second after that is just straight up hurt locker. 
Um, so I didn't have this huge jump from, you know, 9.30 to like 8.54. I went from probably like 9.23, 24 to 9.16 because every second is awful. Um, so I guess coming out of like cross country when I did, did start competing well at invites and stuff is when Chico became on the radar. Uh, or, or colleges necessarily. I wasn't really thinking D2 because I was honestly thinking community college. Because as Chris knows, I didn't go to camp one year because my grades were so shit. And that was the uh, that was the caveat was my dad's like, all right, you don't get to go to camp. So I still sent you a letter. Yeah, yeah, you did. I still have that somewhere, actually. Um, the, the caveat being, I had a 2.4 GPA in high school. So I wasn't going to any UCs. Um, and my SAT was horrendous. So really I was planning on going to community college. More park. Um, and I didn't really care for more parks program at the time. They were in and out of having a men's program. Um, so I was looking at college of the canyons actually, uh, until someone, uh, Jamie Harris, the humble coach was, was teammates with my dad at Fresno state. Uh, and he told my dad about Chico and got him in touch with Gary. And my dad actually called Gary for me and said, Gary said, I was like, Oh, I figured he'd be looking at D ones. So we never really reached out. And my goal was to go anywhere that would take me and I could develop myself and my running career. Uh, so that's when Chico got on the radar. I started talking to Gary, um, we talked to ASU because Coach Louie went to run his workshop. Yeah. And, and you know, is like, he's a fantastic person. No, he was super cool. He's like, yeah, come on out for a visit and stuff. And I got there. And no, not to his discredit or anything that their program did. It's just I got there and immediately, as soon as I got off the plane, had this feeling that it wasn't for me. It wasn't right there. And I went to Chico, and it was quite the opposite. It was – I think it's funny – or some people think it's funny that I still came here because the weekend I came, it was like the worst weather ever. Like streets were flooding. It rained the entire time. And I did like our worst long run as my recruitment run. Uh, but I loved every second of it. Um, so never once have I regretted or taken for granted the opportunity of being able to be where I am. And like I said, Oh, Gary town, my life for um, seeing through the, negative grades and GPA and SAT scores and doing what he could to help me take the, the, you know, pre remedial classes and stuff I needed over the summer to be able to make it in. So now we're in the Chico and uh, this is where we're going to have some input from everybody else here. Cause like we've understood that like, uh, for me, it's basically a one-on-one interview for high school. I've known you for the high school. Like, right. I've known you through your entire process through it. College, I don't. Three of us don't. So this is going to be a little bit more fun. Uh, so we also had some questions that we're going to throw into here. Uh, also by your teammates, thankfully. Uh, <laughs> uh, so your first experiences at Chico. You're you're a different person when you're getting recruited to when you first step on campus in your first season. 
when you get recruited, it's it's very much like they pull out the red carpet, you see everything, and it looks like the grass is greener. When you land on campus, it's a very different story. The grass can be green, but it might, may not be as green as the coach sold it to you. How was it for you when you landed on campus? How were the teammates when you landed on campus? How was your experience? Um, so I think the Chico experience for freshmen moves very quickly. Um, you get to campus typically like, so we'll have camp at the end of the summer. So we have to go to campus and do medical evals and NCAA compliance meetings. Like that day you get there. And then the next day we roll out for camp. Uh, I never got the feeling on my trip or anything that there was like smoke and mirrors by any means. I think everybody was very upfront with what the experience for themselves was like. And Gary never once alluded to, you know, there being something that I would have and then haven't had since. Um, he was very honest and the way that he runs the recruitment process, I think is, you know, genius. Um, you know, I think it's really hard for some kids, uh, just teammates and stuff that I've talked to and things we make very clear at camp at camp. It's, uh, it's hard. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Freshman year was pretty, aside from the team and my grades and everything, just like mentally, personally, it was pretty awful. Uh, moving away from home and um, my girlfriend and trying to get into college classes after having a less than admirable high school academic career uh, was very nerve-wracking um, and really difficult. But the team aspect was easy. The running part was, you know, obviously there's a transition process, but everybody was really nice and really supportive. When you show up to camp, everybody's introducing themselves. You're bunking with the team right away. You're hanging out, you're doing the runs. And um, I think our coach has a very hands-off approach to like the training and stuff. Like our training logs and everything are just weekly miles. You have a long run, and that's the only mile he gives you for the whole week. And that's Sunday. He'll each week will be like 13, 14, 15. That's the only thing that you're, he gives us to hit. Everything else is like your discretion, how far you want to warm up for workouts, uh, what you want to do Monday, if you want to double stuff like that. Um, so that's obviously a transition as well as like going from being told exactly what to do to like, okay, well, what works for me? Um, which again is pretty genius in itself. So the whole coming to college part training wise was, was hard, you know, like, like high school, you're coming into a whole new experience. And, um, the thing that a lot of people I think fail to realize right away is we have a very, very successful program. Um, you know, I think it was just the 18th because of, because of COVID. I, I my math is awful, but I think 18 years running conference championship uh, champions. We've gone to nationals for the last you know several 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 many years. Um, 
everybody in high school who goes to college for the most part was the shit on their team. Like you were the number one person, right? And so now you're in an environment where everybody's good. You know, you can consider to be like in a way semi-pro whether you live your life and train and compete. Um, you're then racing like men. You're coming in as a 19 year old, again, racing dudes who are fifth years in college. Maybe we're in the military, maybe we're on a Mormon mission. They're 27 years old, right? Like these are adults. Um, but I think that whole transition process and the way that Gary develops us, he has us like red shirt our freshman year. So you're not necessarily worrying about like traveling and at least on the men's side, um, right away. And you really get to get your feet wet at your own pace. Um, so coming into the school, I really had in terms of developing myself, as long as I could stay healthy and I did the, you know, the, the right, made the right choices and stuff. Like, it was very individual how you wanted to handle yourself, but the team made it very clear that like, Hey, you know, where you came from, obviously you're good. You were probably told what to do. Um, that's not actually how it's going to be here. Like no one's going to really hold your hand. It's very, you know, hands off. If you want to be good, you have to want to be good. Yeah. It's a, it's a different experience when you get out to college and, uh, Brent, did you, did you experience the same thing? I mean, you came into a pretty high-performing program when you first got there at Tiffin. So. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say one of the things that, I mean, sh- struck me a little bit was obviously going into college is most kids, like, first time being away from home. So I think there's expected to be a little uncertainty, a little bit of nervousness. I think one of the positive things about being on, like, a team, especially, like, a cross-country team, is most of the time you have – camp for a week before the school year actually starts so you actually have time to make friends with guys on the team or other freshmen on the team so you have time to get comfortable before you even get on campus whereas if you're just some normal kid going to school for the first time you have to figure out how you want to make friends do you join clubs do you have so it's nice right away especially with cross country or even track to like have a family immediately and then i mean i think it's nice for you that you were able to redshirt right off the bat because that takes pressure off of you right away. Especially if you were like a high performance athlete coming out of high school. Like myself, I was okay in high school. So there wasn't like a ton of pressure on me coming into college. But like I would have to assume when you're, you know, better, more of an elite high school athlete, like there is some pressure coming at you. So like did you feel about having a redshirt like your freshman year? Was it I mean, was it like conflicting at all? Like, oh, I just want to get out and compete with my teammates, but at the same time, like, like a relief that, like, okay, I have like a year to like figure this thing out. Um, my coach was very upfront about redshirting. Um, our very first meeting is like, hey, this is probably what's going to happen, uh, especially with men. You guys grow a little more when you're in college, and the development is really important. Um, so, you know knowing that helps you balance like your academic life because you want to be able to split your units up into a way where like, okay, if I'm going to register, like maybe I do want to stick around five years and get that full four years of eligibility. Right. Um, which turns a lot of people off. Um, personally, I was all for it. You know, high school accolades stuff out the window. I told myself pretty early on, like, okay, that stuff doesn't matter here really. Like, 
everybody here on my team is like, I have some studs on this squad. I don't need to be competing because I'm not going to be making any sort of travel squad right away. Um, so I think having that development and it definitely took a little bit of pressure off to kind of like fit in with the team, learn the dynamic and take those red shirt races. Like I remember the last red shirt race of the season was like, okay, I'm going to try something I never really tried before. I have some older guys on the team in this race. I'm going to just go out with them and try to win this fucking thing. Like <laughs> if I can just go out and fall out the last race, like I'm a red shirt. I have nothing to lose. Um, and I think, you know, things like that are really refining for the rest of your college career. So um, how, how, uh, how is, how is that mentality? When did, do you know when that, that clicks for you? Because there's, there's a little bit of like that kind of like that pretender to fighter mentality where it's like, and I think Nicole has something to say as well. on, on like another question as well is like, there's a pretender to fighter mentality where it's like, Hey, I'm just trying to be here. And now it's like, I'm trying to kill. Yeah. Nicole, what do you, what do you say? It's kind of related to that. Like, I mean, I, I'm not a college runner at all, <laughs> but I kind of had the opposite. When I went into college, I played soccer and in high school, we were kind of like, you do your own thing. And when I got to college, we were really, really rigidly trained. Like we had position coaches, we had like individual coaches that would just work with you day in and day out. Um, and like, I, as much as I liked the rigidity of it, I feel like there was a lot that we maybe could have done better kind of being left to our own devices. Um, so I, I guess all those words to kind of ask, like, how long did it take you um, kind of being left to your own devices to like really figure out what worked for you training wise? Yeah, um, that was kind of the point I was trying to make just talking about like a lot of people coming in from high school, like the handholding aspect is, especially as a redshirt, like you're not going to necessarily have coaches attention 24 seven, um, which I try to tell kids is like, hey, it's not that Gary doesn't like you. He just has other people to deal with. It's not that the travel squad squad doesn't want to necessarily talk to or run with you. It's just they're out of town a lot. Like <laughs> I like to think Chico isn't super clicky. Um, so you have people to run with. The teammate as a whole, like this, the the team as a whole, isn't super like huge. Um, but you are left to the one thing I tell new people all the time is like you got to grow up pretty fast. Um, you're away at college, you have to maintain your own diet, your own training regimen. Like we have practices and stuff, but no one's going to tell you how far to go. Like, um, and I think that really helps with the development is like, okay, it, it, it separates the people who want to run from the people who want to compete, like who really want to be here. Um, and, you know, you're not going to necessarily be coddled whatsoever, especially by the people who have been around a lot mm-hmm. or for a long time. Uh, so I don't think it was very harsh or anything at all, like coming from the coach or from teammates. It's just kind of the culture that running is. It's like, okay, well, you're a team, but everybody's also there to better themselves, kind of like what we talked about earlier. Yeah, but it's it's impossible to split that much time between everybody on the team. And you got to – Oh, hi. Welcome to the podcast, Ray the Doggo. 
often mentioned, never seen. We'll be seen when we go on video. We'll get a video sometime in the future. But uh, Ray the Dog goes on here. Also, uh, I I didn't get a. We didn't we didn't get a cat we didn't even get a cat name. What's the cat's name? Her name's Machka. Machka, you gotta be kidding me. Oh, but why it's got a pup? This is Strider. 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 Yeah, she just woke up. Oh, look at those floppy ears. Oh. He just woke welcome up. To the, welcome to the uh, Beers and Paws podcast where we talk about beers, dog shit, and whatever else we can get off topic. <laughs> Speaking about beers, uh, we opened up another beer called Triple Dog Dare. Trip, like legitimately Triple Dog Dare. It is a uh, Belgian-style triple ale from Great Lakes Brewing Company. And I'm going to finish this beer, and we're probably going to get into some uh, – some black, black box Sauvignon Blanc a la Keen, because uh, Keen loves her sell some uh, box wine. But with that being said, yeah, it, it's hard. It's it's really hard. And like, it's hard when you have a bigger team. I know Tiffin, we're beyond 100 at this point. I guess when you're a larger program slash, I guess, a successful program, it's tough to get a lot of individualized, uh, well, fully individualized attention. You only get as much time as to each athlete, and a lot of times you'll you know learn a lot of stuff on your own. The the culture here for sure has been um, phenomenal and very welcoming to everybody who um, you know, as far as I know, has come here. And if you want to succeed, like uh, basically my bottom line being, if you want to succeed, like we have the means here to do so. Um, you know, nobody who comes here like. We're, we're like a lot of the people who come here are pretty good, but, but nobody is like Sarah Baxter. Like we're not getting number one national all time people coming to Chico state, but we're getting, you know, national championship caliber athletes at the end of their careers. Right. Yeah. Or at the end of their college careers, like coming into the, like we have a young, strong team of people who develop into fantastic runners. Um, those who want to work for it. And uh, that's one thing I've always been super fortunate to be a part of and have never taken for granted is, you know, the coaching. And obviously that's, that, that's something to be said about that is our coach is doing something right. The program has caught on to something where we can be as successful as we are. And I'm lucky to be part of it. So you're not just at any program. Uh, you're fighting to win. You've got Adam State, Grand Valley. Carlos Good Minds. Uh, there's a big difference between a program that's trying to qualify, um, qualifying to make the national championships an accomplishment in itself. But I mean, to be honest here, typically the 15th team doesn't think they're going to win at all. You have a different mentality as a team, and I guess you have a different mentality as a team that's trying to win at all. Right. Um, well, no, and that's the thing is I came into a winning program, right? Um, Chico State has had a long history of success. And if you want to be part of that, you know, you have to work for it. The thing that I noticed is nobody here necessarily is cut from a different cloth. Everybody has a chance to succeed. Um, you see that on the national squad. It's the guys who are working for it. Our team is deep. You can only take 10 to conference, right? Yeah. Seven nationals. You could put the next... 10 on the line and they would still be placing 
like we have a squad. Um, I I think where where the difference is is like when you're surrounded and come into a program like that, you want to be that dude, right? Like you want to be on that next squad, and um, that all just comes from you wanting to be a champion and wanting to be part of the history, like. It was a very big deal to me to come into a team that had won conference the last 15 years in a row and to the last time, like, I want to be there for the 18th year. Yeah. Like, that's but, almost as old as I am. Like, I want to be part of that. But that's conference. Conference is different than nationals. Mountain region and, I guess, the Midwest typically do take a lot of the top spots. So you're going into a program with the expectation that you're going to win conference. But how about nationals? I think in my experience um, and the guys that come through this program, uh, the people on our travel squad, we have talent, but most of all, we have guys who want to succeed. And part of that comes from just being a competitor. So a big deal that, you know, we talk to each other about is like, okay, if you're going into conference regionals nationals with the mentality of like yeah it's different but really at the end of the day you need to show up and compete so a big deal to me is like okay if you build this race up too much in your head like that can be detrimental because say you get a shit start say you're mid-pack back of the pack like you're immediately out of it once that mental strength is gone and it's severed and you're panicking a mile into a 10k like that's awful so i think a big deal for us is like the cross-country season starts in august well it starts in the summer with the base training you're making you're trying to make it from my mentality is i'm trying to make it from june to the end of november like that's when it matters everything then is just supplemental from june to september supplemental the the big daddy nationals is in November. So take conference, take regionals, whatever. Like as long as we do what we need to do to get to nationals, we don't need to do anything different there to be competitive. We just need to be us. And um, I think that's something our team does really well is we're all competitive natured and we want to succeed. Like we want to be that team. And so going to the big stages, uh, keeping in mind that, hey, it's a race. Like, nobody needs to go out and have, like, an all-star day. If, as a team, we can compete well as, you know, like we have been, then that's what's important. Absolutely. Uh, Nicole? So, I, I definitely think that, I mean, your school is one of the schools that I've actually heard of. Again, not a college athlete really nothing to do with running in college except for you know just starting um like i think that there are a lot of things about your team that kind of make you notorious there's a, a chant you guys have <laughs> yeah <laughs> how do you feel about it i think um uh, that that's the key that's why we've gone to nationals the last that's why we place it's the chant no, um, I mean, obviously, you, you, you have to yell really loud. Like, the best yeller is the one that wins everything in running, 
right? That's, that's funny. I didn't know the chant was that notorious. I know we've made flow track once or twice, but um, no. So the Chico chant, um, I'm not going to scream it or anything, but, oh. you know, C-H-I-C-O, 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 Chico, Chico, Chico. Ain't no runner like a Chico runner because a Chico runner don't stop. You know, woo. Very exciting. <laughs> Very, I'm actually uh, just really happy that you went through the whole thing for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I figured it would be, um, you know, for any time that might be listening, it'd be a disservice. Um, so, yeah, can, can, can we get a can, can we get a repeat with some gusto? Can we get a repeat with some gusto? Because like I want I want to be able to send this to yeah. No, no, no. Because because what we're gonna do we're gonna do here. Yeah, yeah. Because what we're gonna do here is we're gonna send this to uh, our resident Ashland best friend, and we're gonna send that to him as like that's gonna be his like ringback tone. No, 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 no. I'm gonna do it. Oh no. No, okay. like he like this this actually wasn't mentioned. This actually was not part of the skeleton of this podcast until like about a well actually like two hours ago or actually th- this day when like I was hanging out with Josh and he's like Yeah, when I was at the indoor meet I like I was like he's like I I fucking hate Chico. And I was like, you hate Chico? How do you hate Chico? You go to Ashland. Like, you probably hate Adams. You would probably hate Grand Valley. You'd probably hate Tiffin. Like, you'd probably hate the teams that you're tra- like you're fighting against at the national meet in in track. It's like, no, uh, no, Chico would Chico would always have. No, we're good. We're we're, we're good with Bork. We're good with Borkin. We're fine. Uh He's like, we hate Chico. I hated Chico because they're fucking chant, and they're, they're chant, they're, they're they're chant every time. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. It's the blood going. <laughs> he said everywhere you went was like fucking. They owe you because like you guys are known for having people like travel like far away to like. You guys, did you guys? You guys had a lot of people travel to Florida. Yeah, so we have a national squad. We have had people travel to Florida, to Pittsburgh. Yeah, when 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 Gondu went when Gondu was racing at Florida against a shorter guy and the guy from Missouri, like Southern. Like I remember meeting some people from Chico. You guys drove from Chico all the way to. Like in the middle, like to just outside of Tampa. Yeah, no, that's actually an ongoing tradition. Is the uh, the squad will come out in full force and uh, body paint, short shorts, chanting, flags. It's that's the first. Awesome. It's a great experience for the people competing. So what the magic? What the magic of the chant does is like you have the guys on the line striding out, doing it. Coaches there, whatever. It just like. You kind of yell it out, the camaraderie, like it gets your blood going. That happens like three minutes before the gun goes off. It's like, all right, get our pep talk from the coach, the Chico chant. And we had nationals in Sacramento. And one of the coolest experiences ever is having 100 people lining the start line, chanting with us, like unrivaled. And uh, 
it's just awesome to hear other teams or other spectators booing when we chant because we know it's getting their goat. It's getting to them, but we're not going to, you know, we're not going to let that dictate our, our, our vibe, our good time. Yeah, the, you guys are known, very, very known for, like, your your chants. Uh, well, that shit happens, uh, I think, the last night of camp. We take all the guys, we go down somewhere very remote, and, uh, you know, we teach them the Chico chant. They're going to, you know, it's, a, it's like an initiation process. <laughs> I was going to say, is that something that you, like, immediately have to do? Or are there any, like, weird rituals surrounding that chant? Like, do you have to, like... You know, like put icy hot on your balls and like run around the stadium saying that. I, I no, no, no. Uh, I'll keep that in mind for next year. But uh, <laughs> uh, we just we just go down as a squad the last night of camp down to the uh, the bottom of the street and do it in the middle of the night and annoy all the neighbors. That's what <laughs> PG of an initiation than I had in my first collegiate sport. Yeah, take what you know about Chico and all those rumors and stuff has not been my experience. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention so many people that have this. Your first All American. Mm. Yes, my uh, my my Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. experience. Yeah, it's a slow race. Slow. It might have been might have been one of the slowest. Like I, I saw the winner because like Brent actually texted the checks the chat. Brent. Yeah. So I mean, when I was looking at some of your stats and stuff, um, I mean, I looked at your two national races, um, 2018 and 2019, and I saw 2018. I think you finished like 39th, but you ran like right or, right around 33 flat. But then in 2019 you finish 26 places higher, which is great, but you run almost three minutes faster from one year to one year from a national meet to a national meet. So, I mean, my thought was obviously that there's probably some weather that has to do with it, but obviously courses are different from year to year. So I was just curious about like your experience both years and like what, like how you felt in 2018 going into it, how you felt, you know, after you were done and then the same thing for 2019 like did you feel more confident going into 2019 and were you happier at the end of 2019 kind of deal so i was lucky enough my first year in uniform to make it as an alternate to the national meet so i was our eighth man um so i kind of got the idea of like traveling to the national meet the energy that's there and everything so we had we had yeah that was evanson right yeah, that was Indiana when your when your guy won in uh, Indiana. Yeah, we have a picture there. That you were you were an alternate that day. Yeah. Um, so I had a you know a great experience there. Um, learned a lot, and I'm very fortunate for that. Um, but going into Pittsburgh to even still like place better, ran faster, like you said at Sacramento. I'm fucking miserable was Pittsburgh. By far the most horrendous race I've ever ran in my life. It's somehow nearly uphill almost both ways. And the weather was awful. We had a dude, um, I forget what team they were from. It was a favorite to win. 
like break his ankle the first 200 meters into the race oh, and, still place, like, and still place like oh. top 15. Um, it was just slick. It was on a golf course. There was rain, mud. Our spikes were like that long. Um, by far the hardest race I've ever ran in my life. Um, but I came away with an All-American. One spot off of, two spots off of uh, that 40th place. So um, the difference being was the course and the, um, I wouldn't say like mentally, I was super different. I was obviously stoked to be there. I'm really nervous because it's my first time. So going into Sacramento uh, last year for when I got my second All-American title. First, first, uh, before you go there, that's the Pittsburgh course, or I guess that Pittsburgh course was slow. Just how hard was the course? Um, from what we were looking at, the Nationals winner was almost two and a half minutes faster the following year. Just how hard was it? The hardest course I've ever ran on in my life. Uh, you know, keep in mind, I've been doing this since I was... Yeah, Mount Sac's a hard course. And... Mount Sac has nothing on this Pittsburgh experience. I would take seven Mount Sacks over running Pittsburgh again. <laughs> Cold weather, probably awful footing, I would expect. So... We were racing. The footing was horrendous. Um, basically, a mudslide the whole way. You're running on a slant like this pretty much the whole time. The slant is like one foot is higher than the other pretty much the entire time. Oh, no. Um, and it's very much like – have you guys played Mario Kart 8? Yeah. So the very first circuit, like the staple circuit, you know how it kind of goes – kind of like uh you know slanted like it is and like one side is uphill and one side is kind of like downhill yeah very much like that so you we did four loops and i was just trying to make it to the downhill side of the loop every time um it was it was hard to say the least um you know me being where my strengths are i would try to make up what i could on the up and just lose all the momentum you ever had and then on the down, you still can't go very fast because it's slick. I can't tell you how many people fell on their ass right in front of me. Oh, my God. That's the most amazing thing I've actually ever seen in a race before. Somebody ate it, slid on their hands and knees, like not even exaggerating for a solid eight feet, and then just popped back up as we're going downhill. And just like, like he didn't skip a beat. But also – uh. I'm kind of sad that you said Mario Kart and not Diddy Kong Racing because Diddy Kong Racing is a superior game. It is a superior Diddy Kong Racing is a superior game. This is not the Beers and Lies podcast. Yeah, have you, uh, wait, wait, Nicole, have you played Diddy Kong Racing? Yes. It's better. It's better. Chris, how, how's Diddy Kong Racing 8 doing? Oh, they did make one? Yeah, because Rare died. Rare died. But it's still a better game. It's, it's a better game. It's more even. It's more even. I'm sorry, but you have to pick and choose your weapons. You don't have to be glass to get your best weapon. Okay, okay. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Okay. Can I throw in a bad weather racing pro tip real quick? Don't be afraid. If you're on a muddy, shitty course, to set you actually run on the outside of the course if it's better footing. Oh, yeah, where like, nobody else has gone and less yeah. likely to eat it. 
I would say I had three or four races in high school where I probably ran an extra 200 meters, but I finished higher than people that were better than me just because I found the better footing. So just as a heads up for all you runners out there, if you're still competing uh, like cross country and stuff. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's probably the biggest issue for probably California runners is like <clears throat> we get there. Of any sort. Like, like we don't really get very many bad courses at all like like really any like wrecked like yeah, by dude, you go to like california and phantom planet wrote a whole whole ass song about you you're like sunny gorgeous perfect and then you go to pittsburgh and it's like where the hell am i well, yeah, and, then, and then you transition the next year to sacramento california both races i definitely gave 100 percent effort but you go from like 40 something wet windy uphill downhill muddy Pittsburgh to 75 completely flat grassy Sacramento there's where your three minutes are <laughs> there's the, the, the challenge of dealing with the conditions and the weather and the uh, versatility of Pittsburgh compared to all out just grit and speed of Sacramento so we're going to go forward to your second American performance you had a good Pretty good track season before this. Uh, you ran a 30.08. the bubble for the 10K and the 5K and track nats, but didn't make it. So, 14.33 is a ton better than 30.08. Uh, I find more success, personally, I feel, the longer the race goes. Definitely more of a grinder than I am a, uh, you know, I guess, true speed and grit. But... That's why I still have yet to break four minutes in the 1500. The 1500 is devil spawn. I would abolish it if I could. I ran a 358, but the only reason I ran 358 is because my coach put me in an elite heat that I was like six seconds too slow for, and I just got caught in the race, and they just carried me. So. There you go. So, Nicole, you had a couple questions related to White's college experience? Yeah, um, I had a couple of questions that came in from our lovely listeners. Um, one of them was from Rachel. Hi, Rachel. It said, would you say you eat like a typical college kid or are you more health conscious? Uh, I had McDonald's about an hour ago. What's your McDonald's meal? Oh, dude, I've been using the app lately and they got some banger deals. So I'll get like, today I got the the BOGO um quarter pounder with a 10 piece chicken nugget some fries and a sweet tea i have i actually have something to add up that so when in my thorough research aka stalking i actually discovered that you were a subway scholar athlete of the week that's uh, pretty awesome yes what is your subway order my subway order is i like to try to make a pizza on a sandwich it's like wheat a, a foot long on wheat ham, pepperoni, shredded cheddar, um, bell pepper. They're going to ask you at this point, this is very important. They're going to ask you if you want it toasted. You say, hold on, go to the veggies. You put on the bell pepper, the onion, the jalapeno, and the banana pepper, the chipotle. Then you have them toasted. So the veggies and the sauce is all warm. And then when they take it off, say, do you want anything else? Then you say, yeah, I want spinach and tomato. And then 
you have a banger ass sandwich and a very good night. That's very my standard. Look, I think that's very admirable. Like getting some warm veggies, excellent, excellent decision. I can see why you were named a Subway Scholar athlete. Just yeah, it was super cool. They came to the track and interviewed me and my coach and stuff, and it was super cool. Did you get free Subway? I didn't. I didn't sign any contract that said I can't talk about it. So yeah, I didn't. I didn't get anything. That's sweet. I have beef with Subway right now. I got coupons in the mail for Subway. I went. I was gonna take. I took my girlfriend out. We we're gonna have a very lovely day. I was gonna get us buy one get one free footlongs, and I show up. We order. The dude sees the coupon in my hand the whole time. I give him the coupon. He goes, "We don't accept coupons at this location." So it's on site with Subway at the moment. Haven't been since. So, COVID happened. How quickly did he go out to Wyoming? Yeah, I went partly. Really had nothing to do with COVID. Um, we have property up there, and my dad was going to pay me to work on the land and stuff. And the Cash 22 being, I get altitude training and elevation every day. I don't think there was a single day, like, even like a four-mile double that wasn't at least 500 feet elevation gain. Um, so the point going there was to just have a really solid base and some badass training going into the cross-country season that never was. So CCAA announced that it was canceling the season pretty early on. How long were you back? I guess back to see me and then out to Wyoming. I went to see me for, um, just to see my girlfriend, I think for her birthday. So I was only there. I went after Wyoming. Cause right. Basically the school, as soon as school ended, I went to Wyoming, um, in May. So I didn't go back home until, um, August for a spell. Mm-hmm. Cause then I just, I flew down there and then came back up to school with, um, Molly, my girlfriend. Uh, so I only spent a limited time there, but it wasn't for like any extended amount or anything just to kind of come go see her and, uh, help her pack to come to school and stuff. So real quick, when, when all this hit, so like your conference cancels, but did, did your whole season, I mean, did you compete at all? during COVID or no, we did time trials. Um, at first when the CCA made that announcement, we were thinking like maybe we'd be allowed to compete in postseason, like with the NCAA. Um, but then they came out and said, basically like if your school was doing online and like your conference wasn't willing to meet and stuff, like you couldn't compete. And then the NCAA pretty much just ended up shutting everything down or postponing. Um, so we didn't do anything besides like the couple of us doing time trials and stuff locally. So then with that, do you, I mean, do you get eligibility back for this season since teachers weren't really allowed to compete? No, interesting enough, you do only, I think, last I was told if it was your last season. So say you had a redshirt season, they're just going to burn that redshirt. So you don't get like that eligibility back um it just counts as like one year for the younger guys but like for people like me who didn't get to compete you get an extra season so i actually have another cross-country season on reserve big fan of the sixth season good year good year yeah i actually just recently decided to take it 
Um, you going to grad school then? Uh, no. Uh, so obviously the NCAA has to, you have to have unit towards a degree to be able to compete. Um, I had a minor that I was able to turn into a major to have just enough classes oh. to be able to compete. So I'll double major and do my last semester that way. Isn't that what, what Cam did? Well, but that's exactly what I did to get five years. I, mean, I picked up a minor with like a like a half a year left, so yeah. that I had a full uh, yeah. fifth year of college. Love the DT system. It's super different than it was in D three. You can continue competing and still get a good education. I know at D three, I think you have to go to the same school, and then in D one, you do have a clock as soon as you start. So it makes it really tough to be able to uh, take gap years or things like that. Yeah, no, I got super lucky with um, the way the, that they're working the eligibility and uh, the compliance office here at Chico being able to kind of help me figure out my next steps. Um, very fortunate to be able to say that uh, I'll stay. Uh, definitely not the plan I had over the summer, but, uh, you know, I don't have regretted it yet. So we'll see uh, if we can compete, you know, normally and everything. It would be definitely well worth it because it'd be kind of sad to have my last season raw like that. But we had some questions for you. Uh, we actually had a bit of a runner celebrity. I'm not sure he listens to the podcast or will listen to this one, but uh, Kyle Medina asked, um, what has been the biggest challenge going to college and how have you overcome it? Um, honestly, probably just adjusting. Um, you know, not for lack of trying from my teammates and the people I know and stuff, my first year being here, uh, I felt very welcomed and very excited and lucky to be the program in the program I'm at. Um, I would say it's a tie between my first semester or so here. Uh, mentally, it was just in a really rough spot um, and really stressed out with school and trying to do better than I did in high school. Um, academically, it was just a lot to take on. Um, so that was definitely a challenge, but the whole COVID situation, definitely giving that a run for its money. Um, we have a very successful team and a very good team that's really struggling right now. Um, COVID took its toll. Um, we have guys who were on the travel squad and guys who were conference eligible and stuff like that, you know, and, and at this point with how long it's gone on, like it's, I'm not trying to, you know, disclaimer, I'm not blaming anybody for anything or, you know, mightier than that. Like you should have done this whatsoever. Everybody has their own situation and their own reason for doing things. But the blatant obvious fact being that we had a lot of teammates who didn't make it through this tough time, um, you know, a very small percentage of our squad is really running like we were before the COVID thing happened. And, and even to say that is almost blasphemous. Um, you know, you're not competing, you're not, you're not training, you're not racing yourself into shape. Like time trials don't have the same effect that competition does. Um, so I would say my biggest challenge is probably now having my fifth year cross country season rob when i felt so ready to go in and try to win a title um, i think that has been difficult and then coming back to school and training and 
working with a few guys. Like we have a great couple of guys training right now, you know, Matt Herrera, Raymond Lopez, uh, Dylan White, a new guys coming in, Braden, Bennett, uh, and Daniel Hernandez, all those dudes. Like, Yeah, we actually had a question from him, actually. Uh, thoughts on Daniel Hernandez? Daniel Hernandez? Yeah, he told me to name drop him. Love that kid. Uh, hey, if he's done this far into the podcast, we appreciate him. I was uh, I was fortunate enough to have a class with him this semester and meet him in person once for a long run. Super cool guy. Uh, excited to have him on the team and just absolutely built different. He's gonna do. He's gonna do things for sure. Um, you know, he's one of the. He's built more tough. Or would you say he's built more like a Dodger Chevy? Uh, Ford, all the way. And Nicole had some other questions. Yeah. Um. What is your favorite video game? Shit. Um. I think everybody needs to play Skyrim. Uh, if I had to make, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the 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 easy route and list a couple um, Sky uh, games that just made me feel different. Skyrim, Red Dead Redemption Two, Call of Duty Black Ops Two. Um, this is all I do in my free time. I'm a runner and a gamer, and that's it. So list of games I've played in my life. Uh, we actually had another question uh, related to video games. Does video games contribute to a runner's mindset? Um, I think that's actually a question. I actually never compared the two. I think in a way, I, I wouldn't say it necessarily directly contributes, but I think there's little things here and there that help you kind of bridge the gap maybe like competitiveness i'm very competitive when i play games that require me to do so and obviously i want to be competitive when i run and i want to be really good at both so if that's an acceptable answer then i suppose that's what i'll say if there's any game that you would say you could kick anyone's ass in what would it be i don't know anymore Games lately, so I'm not very I'm not very sharp in any particular one at the moment. I have a good a good couple hundred hours in Rainbow Six Siege. Um, I have I just got a PC a few months ago, so CS I'm okay. Pretty okay. awful still comparatively to the good guys. If you could have a fridge full of one beer, what would that be? Sierra Nevada Summerfest. And I'm mad about it. Not mad about it. If you could eat one food forever, what would it be? Um, burritos. Mm. That's good. My God. From where? Um, Adrian's taco truck. Not even San Diego. No, there's a taco truck here in Chico that's unrivaled. So why are we road tripping to Chico? We're going to Chico. So, if you had the opportunity to be a professional runner, or, and, like, be really good, like, place in, like, you know, national, international, or be an international gamer, which one would you pick and why? Oh, shit. 
Um, fuck it, gamer. There's more money in gaming. You're actually right. Yeah, you're actually right there. I'm pretty happy with my running career. I want to go on. Uh, but if I had to pick one, I think playing games would be super sick. Thanks, you guys, for listening. Uh, we'll be back with another episode. Still got a lot of questions to ask uh, for next week. Uh, you could follow me at Beers and Miles uh, on Instagram, beersandmiles.com. Uh, you could follow Wyatt at Wyatt D. Baxter. You could also follow Nicole at Nicole the Runner and follow Brent at Hunter Runner. And uh, yeah, so thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next time.